Marie gave me 10 minutes today. Can you believe that? Only 10 minutes. I'll try to do that. Anybody got a stopwatch? Let's see if we can make it happen. Back when I was doing therapy, one of the things that I would assign my uh, uh, patients to do, clients to do, would be to write down 50 things that made them glorious, 50 things that were them, that were awesome and amazing and unique and special. Mostly no one could ever do that. But if I asked them to write 50 things down that they were not good at and they were broken in and all of that, they could write down 50 things of negativity real quick. There's something about our brokenness that allows us to do that readily. We define ourselves seemingly by what we don't do well, by our mistakes and by our foibles and the fact that I don't have a beard like Travis and I don't have curly hair like Nick and I wear shoes, <laughs> contrast to Nick. All those negative things about myself, I can just start that list right now. When we do that, we de- we. Uh, disagree totally with the whole idea of God's creation and God's goodness. This is the text that we are studying now all the way through Easter. It's found in Colossians 1, verse 16 and 17. It goes like this. For in him all things were created. Christ is the summation of it all. Everything that we are is a microcosm of being in him. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Have you ever taken a moment to think of what God created that's invisible? Wouldn't that be amazing if all of us would sit around in a circle sometime and say, okay, I'm perceiving that God's invisibility goes in this direction over here and over here, and we can imagine and our minds expand by what God created in that creation act that are still invisible to us today. All we can think about is what's visible. Whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. Did you know that your uniqueness, who you are, is a gift that God made for himself? It's a Christmas gift wrapped up with your name on it. He opens it up every day and says, oh, this is Bob. Look at what Bob has done. Look who he is. Look what he's created. Look at the awesome things that he is doing in his life. And he does that for every one of his creations. Because he made you and he made me for himself. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. So when God started making us, right from the get-go, he said, oh, this is good. Evening in the morning was the first day. This is good. Evening in the morning was the second day, third day, fourth day. By the time he came to your creation and mine, he no longer just said good. He said, this is very good. You were awesome and amazing. When he bent over and created you, he made you in his likeness. And because he is good, he made you good. And we only know what we know. And so if we know we're good, we see good. If we know we're broken, all we see is people's brokenness, and all you have to do is look at politics to figure that one out. 
everything they're accusing everybody else of doing is what they're doing, because that's all they know. But God is good, and your creation is good, and that's very important because if God wasn't good, your creation could get really scary. Can you imagine if God wasn't good and he created you for himself? What would that be like? A taskmaster, an angry God out to get you, condemn you, wound you, break you, mold you, confine you, whatever it is that a bad God could do for you. If God isn't good, your creation and mine is really scary stuff. But God is good, and goodness is rooted in what makes it, which is God. And so we can relax with that. The only thing that God talked about in creation that wasn't good was to be alone. Everything else in creation was good. The flowers, the trees, your creation and mine, the beauty, the, the symmetry, the relationship of coming together in the cool of the day, God and his creation communing together. All of that was good. The only thing he said is, by the way, this is not good. Don't be alone. Now, he made you lonely because he wanted you to not be alone. So he gave every one of us the gift of loneliness, which we sometimes curse in our brokenness. We think that's a horrible thing. But he made us lonely so that we would reach out, so that we wouldn't be an island unto ourselves, so that we wouldn't go and hide in a cave somewhere and spend our lives self-absorbed in our own processes. He made us lonely so that we would reach out and learn to give and receive goodness to each other. So here's God in relationship saying to himself, let us make man and woman in our image. And God in relationship created you in relationship. Principle number one, God's ideas become reality. He thought the thought and he spoke the word and it became real. That's what he does. You talk about power. I mean, we, you know, some of us are nuclear scientists and all that and graduated from S&T and all that. I don't understand that any more than I understand what I'm just saying. But I tell you what, nuclear fission is nothing compared to the power of God who can think a thought and say a word and it becomes real. But God's idea for you become real. As he thinks them and as he speaks them into you through his goodness, you open yourself up to the goodness of return and you start creating what he has already been dreaming about. You are the culmination of his dreams. Secondly, creation is relational. That means that nothing is done in God's kingdom in his process and his power. Nothing is done that doesn't build you into oneness with all of creation. In fact, the ultimate mature spiritual basis upon which we make moral choices in this world is on what builds up the community around us, what builds up people around us, not what takes them down, what controls them, what behaviors we can eradicate out of their lives. Those are all more immature things 
in the process of why we make moral decisions and why we do things the way we do them. The ultimate is that we do it because we all want to be one together. We make choices that's best for our oneness because that reflects this, this relational creation that God gave us. And lastly, the gospel is in creation. Now, I don't know how you define the gospel. I, you know, it depends on your church background and how it all came about. But I define the gospel this way. God is doing all that's necessary so that your love and his love can be unbroken for eternity. It's not that your sins will be forgiven, but your sins will be forgiven. It's not that you're given eternal life if you confess his name, though you will have eternal life if you confess his name. The gospel is much broader than that. The gospel is the good news that God is doing everything necessary for you to have unbroken love with him and each other forever. If we know that God is good, and I'm going to close right here, if we know that God is good this way, in relationship, in creation, and in Easter, which is a symbol of this goodness, that we are resurrected into the possibilities of being all of this. The way we know that we believe that or not is we go to this text in Revelation that used to scare all of us, and probably some of us still might get scared by this verse, and I don't have it written down here. But Revelation 20, verse 17 says that all the things that you've ever done are recorded in a book, and on the judgment day you will stand before God with that book, right? You remember that verse? Now, if your background is, is like mine, that got really scary really fast. Because I knew I had a whole bunch of bad stuff going on. But if God is good, and if God is in the business of making all of this work forever and ever and ever, so that love can be unbroken, we can look at that verse now and say, in the judgment day, God is going to open up Bob's baby book. And everything that I've ever done is going to be right there with him, and he's going to laugh and say, Bob, remember that? Remember that over there? Not, I guess I have to clarify this, not like my baby book, because I was the second born, and I got five pages in my baby book. My older brother got the whole book. Everything, everything recorded. First this, first that, first this. First time he walked, first shoes he wore, got bronzed, all of that kind of stuff. I got five pages. My little sister got her name in the front page of her book. <laughs> the book that is opened in the judgment is your baby book where God walks through your life celebrating everything about you because you are so dang cute. And he loves everything about you. And you are awesome and amazing and good. And it is that which Easter represents. It is that what his goodness solidifies within us. It anchors that opportunity for us to smile our way through this earth and define ourselves by our glory, not by our brokenness. Let's pray.